Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Barizaki. Hey there, I'm Mike, along with Joel. It's good to have you back with us again for Growing in Grace, where we take just a, a mere 15 minutes, and it goes by quickly, to share about the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think you'll find, if this is one of your first time listening to us, uh, one of your first times of listening to us, I think you'll find that we're uh, uh, pretty casual here, so just kind of kick back and relax. Uh, we don't really consider ourselves uh, very religious um, Probably not all that traditional, but we do love the Lord, and uh, we've had some some big changes take place in our lives as we've gotten to understand the gift of righteousness, and uh, uh, it is a gift, and we we, we love to talk about this each week, uh, week in and week out. Joel, I can't get enough of it. I know last week we we got into some stuff where we want to pick up on that again uh, today on this program. Yeah, man, and it's, it's true. You know, we really don't ask a whole lot of our listeners. I mean, you've got these... These big league um, talk show hosts on the radio out there, they're asking you for three hours a day, every day. <laughs> and we're asking for 15 minutes a week. So I hope that's not too much to ask of our listeners. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, some of our listeners have, have heard uh, that line before. Well, anyway, yeah, we were talking about, uh, you know, last few weeks, accepting those who are weak in faith. And I think we kind of left off last week with accepting the sinner, you know, ex- the, the person who perhaps hasn't come to Christ yet, and uh, I, I see a tendency in some Christians, probably a lot of Christians, to kind of shy away from certain people who are maybe involved in certain outward uh, behavior. And, and I'll just list a few examples. Not that I want to discuss these specific issues, but these are just examples that seem to be big in the church. These are issues that are big in the church, at least today, uh, homosexuality, abortion, uh, there's a, you know, a lot of politics, a lot of poli- uh, political talk in the church today. A large portion of Christians tend to be turned off by people who use alcohol. Maybe we have a problem with people who are on drugs. Racism is an issue in the church. Uh, tobacco use. Sometimes we stay away from people who have foul mouths. I know that the People who say, man, he's just got a foul mouth. And, and we, as Christians, uh, we tend to stay away from those people. Maybe they act uh, with lewd behavior. Maybe they listen to a certain type of music. I'm just kind of given a general list of things that Christians today tend to not like. And, and maybe there's a lot of good reasons for, for that stuff. I'm not saying that we should like all of these things. But what what I think happens is that we see people who are involved in these behaviors certain behaviors that just aren't acceptable in the church. And instead of looking beneath the outward behavior of those people, we simply look at the behavior, the bad behavior that they're involved in, and we kind of write them off. And and we just stop right there, and and we don't want to have anything to do with them. Instead of, uh, kind of what we were talking about last week, how Jesus Christ came and looked for us and found us right where we were at. He met us right where we were at. No matter what we were involved in, he came and he saved us by his grace. And in the same way, I think that since we know that Christ did that for us, we should at least have that kind of uh, attitude towards others. Sure, these are legitimate issues uh, and, and, you know, to deal with in, in people's hearts. But the thing is, is that how are these people going to be made whole? You know, in Christ, he has made us complete 
you know, Colossians says that in him you are complete. And, and that's, a, that's a wonderful thing that he's done by his grace. But if we simply stop at, at people's behavior, we look at their behavior and we stop right there and say, nope, sad case, can't deal with that, move on to the next person who might be a little bit more cleaner in their behavior. You know, if we, just, if we don't look beneath the behavior and look to see that there's a need in that person, a need for love, a need for grace, a need for mercy, and maybe there is a heart in there that might just be hurting, uh, you know, why do we stop with behavior when we know that our behavior wasn't even the issue with Jesus Christ? It was the fact that we needed him. You know, I imagine somebody like Peter, who is, I guess, considered to be sort of a rough-and-tumble kind of guy, blue-collar sort of fella. He uh, probably didn't have the most flowery speech, probably uh, didn't have uh, the cleanest speech in the world. And, and I, I can't say this for sure. There's nothing in the Bible to, to indicate this, so I, I don't want to... I don't want to portray the Lord in the wrong way, but I think it's possible that Jesus never told Peter to stop swearing. Mm -hmm. I don't think he went down the line to the twelve disciples and said, you you need to get this straightened out in your life. You need to stop doing this, and and you should start doing this over here. Sometimes he would tell them what to do, but I don't think he was always trying to point out their faults, telling them what not to do. I think Jesus reached in and did what, like you were saying, Joel, he reached in and met a need that was much deeper than what most of us see on the surface. The, the, the needs of the heart, uh, acceptance and, and love. They're looking for peace, peace within themselves and peace with God. And, you know, it's so easy for us to throw stones. And, of course, we're all familiar with one of my favorite stories in the Bible where the woman was caught in, in the act of adultery. And they were about to kill her because the law allowed them to do that. And yet Jesus came along. We know the story without going into it. We don't have to read through it right now. But uh, he stepped in, and they all dropped their rocks and walked away. And he said, who condemns you? And she says, nobody. Where are your accusers? There's nobody here. I, well, I don't, I don't condemn you either. Now, now go and sin no more. Uh, somebody told me that in the original language, the, the more accurate reading would be, go and don't commit this sin anymore. I don't think necessarily that if she had gone out and committed that sin again that it would have condemned her to hell. I think Jesus was just trying to give her some admonition. This got you in trouble. You don't need this. Just the fact that she had received an act of love, compassion, and forgiveness that penetrated her heart and saved her life at that time, I think was probably enough motivation for her to want to uh, maybe move in a different direction than, than where she was. She probably wasn't even happy doing what she was doing at that time anyway. Yeah, I, th- I think you're onto something there because I, Christ knew that everybody was born in Adam, and, and Jesus knew that everybody had sin, that the problem of sin was common to everybody. And by sitting there and focusing on the outward actions, on each individual sin that people would commit, like whether it was Peter's sin, or the woman caught in adultery, any of his disciples, or any of those people that he, he, he would come across, that he wouldn't be able to help those people by trying to get them to stop sinning. But his what he wanted to do was to bring people to himself so that they could be made whole. You know, uh, you know the AIDS crisis became... Started, I think it was in the 1980s, wasn't it? Uh, well, anyway, the, the AIDS crisis became big, and, and there was a song, I believe it was, um, that was written. I believe that it was a response 
or it was an appeal to the church to respond in love to those who were affected by the AIDS crisis. The song by Steve Camp called Do You Feel Their Pain? I think that song had to do uh, with the AIDS crisis. But whether it did or not, the, this, this song played kind of a powerful part in my life. As I began, you know, getting off of my legalistic high horse, I began to see all people as souls that Christ suffered for and not people that I was supposed to fix. I wasn't to go out, go around fixing people's sins. I wanted to bring people to Christ. And, and the whole song is a really great song. Do You Feel Their Pain by Steve Camp. But one line in the song says, O oh, empty eyes and lonely souls, starving for love and crying for hope. And Jesus said, bring them unto me. I can make them whole. I can set them free. You know, the reason we want people to come to Christ isn't so that we can get every single sin in their life cleaned up so we can get their behavior changed perfectly. But what Christ can do is something that the law could never do, something that rules could never do, something that our judgmental glances could never do, something that our our rallies and our marches and you know and all you know and our boycotts something that that can never do i'm not saying it's never wrong or right to rally or to boycott or, or to march or anything like that but something that none of those things can do only christ can do christ can get into the heart of a person he can make them whole and he can set them free something again it's something that our focus on outward behavior just will never do yeah, you know, we, we've heard the phrase, um, I hate the sin and love the sinner. And, and that sounds pretty, uh, pretty nice on the surface. But I wonder how, how many times we actually see that followed through. Mm-hmm. I mean, love the, love the sinner, hate the sin. It sounds good, but I'll bet more times than not, I've seen, uh, that phrase reversed where we, that seem to love the sin and, and hate the sinner. How many times have we seen, well, just recently, Joel, in the news, there was a, a pretty well-known politician who has uh, resigned because he was caught in a, a sexual scandal, and yet throughout most of his life, as a lawyer, he prosecuted relentlessly people who participated in, in that sort of activity and, and went out of his way. To, to punish them severely for it. And yet he's caught in the same web. How many times have we seen that before? Where even sometimes preachers, uh, ministers of the Word of God, who are always preaching against things, always coming down on people for the, the, the wrong behavior, whether it be sexual or anything else, and then they get caught in the same sort of sin. There's, there's something kind of funny about that to me that uh, people spend so much time, again, being focused on what we're doing wrong that uh, we, we all sort of get caught up on just trying to resist things all the time. And instead of just living freely and allowing Christ to live through us, we're always trying not to do the wrong thing. And I don't think that that's what God has called us to do. Yeah, because, you know, we have a righteousness... Uh living in us that that is who we are now you know christ became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of god in christ jesus and we have uh, a righteousness in us that we don't find by looking at rules and laws and regulations anymore but this righteousness is christ himself you know that's how we find our guidance in life that's how we find our direction that's where our life is at it's in the very person 
of Jesus Christ. And, and the more we focus on behavior, the more we focus on whether it's our own behavior and woe is me, I've sinned again, or whether it's you know the sin of other people, the more we focus on that, the less we focus on Christ and, and the reality that his life is in us. Well, we got about a minute left, uh, Mike. Uh, any, uh, any ending thoughts as we wrap things up here? Well, again, when, when you come to Christ and trust in him, you have been made perfect, um, and, and you have inherited uh, the very nature of God within you, sort of like what you were just talking about there, Joel. And I think so many times we get focused on uh, people's behavior. And, of course, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to see changes in people's lives for the better, but let's not get it turned inside out. Uh, we, we give people the impression or the implication anyway that uh, by making these changes in your life, stop doing this, start doing this, um, and start, stop doing this and start doing that. Uh, when we do that, we give them the impression, probably either directly or indirectly, because what we're telling them is that you are going to become more perfect and, and closer to God and more like Him as you stop sinning and start doing the right thing, when that has never been the problem really in the first place. Um, and, and Jesus corrected what the problem was, and now those who call upon Christ uh, have, are, are, are indeed being made righteous. Mm, indeed. That's, that's a good place to end, Mike. And this is Joel, along with uh, my friend Mike Kepler. We're uh, talking about growing in grace, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, more uh, talk about growing in grace next week. In the meantime, feel free to uh, contact us, and uh, you can do that by checking out our website, graceroots.org. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Beruzicki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. 